Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. How will Smart Home change services like disaster recovery and warranty management? We talk with Jamie Smith of Service Master to find out on today's Smart Home Show. Stay tuned. Hey everyone, this is Mike Wolf. Welcome to the Smart Home Show. I probably talked about this on the podcast before. Uh, about three years ago, my house flooded. I came home. I was out all day with my family. It was a Sunday, I believe. And we came home and there's there's water dripping from the ceiling. I had a little Shih Tzu dog at the time who's since passed away. Rest in peace, Diva. Uh, that, my wife named her, by the way. Uh, that was so small, I'm surprised she didn't drown because there was like inches of water. Uh, I think she was basically asleep on the couch the whole time we were gone. But needless to say, we had to move out. Um, we had to move out. We had the entire uh, home remodeled – or not remodeled, just restored the, the hardwood floors. It was a – luckily we had insurance. It was a $30,000 insurance bill, every dollar of which was uh, taken by contractors. Um, immediately after we got home, what I did though is I, I realized what you do is you call one of these emergency restoration companies, emergency uh, remediation companies – um, disaster restoration companies. Um, and who I called was service master. And that's who's on the podcast day. Service master CIO, Jamie Smith, uh, is on the show talking about how they are modernizing using IOT technology, using smart home technology to help them be better at what they do. And it's not just service master, the, the disaster restoration side of the business. They also have a home warranty business, American home shield. They also have, you know, Mary made, <laughs> a home cleaning service that pest control, uh, wall, you know, mold remediation. It, it's one of these companies that said does basically helps you recover from bad things or stops bad things from happening. So that would make a lot of sense. If, if you think about it, if they worked with technology, just things like helping devices stay under warranty to be able to monitor those into the monitor, those in the field makes a lot of sense. So, so I had an interesting conversation with Jamie. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I'm glad I'm back. I apologize. Uh, March was uh, a big travel month for me, and I hope you enjoyed last week's podcast, or which is part of my panel uh, from the Houseware Show. We have some other new podcasts coming online, uh, actually with guests, so let's, we're going to get back in the regular flow of things. I want to give a shout-out to Khalid Al-Ahmed, who had some kind words on Twitter saying this is his favorite morning commute podcast. He was also gently nudging me to get out and put another podcast out, so thank you. Khalid, here you go. Here's something to listen to on Monday because uh, you'll probably maybe be at home by now uh, when I publish this on Friday. All the other folks with kind words on Twitter uh, or via email, always appreciate that. Hey, if you haven't tried out The Spoon, go to thespoon.tech, uh, try it out, subscribe to our newsletter. Why don't you? I appreciate that. Uh, we're putting, I'm putting out written form stuff uh, as well as uh, awards for our podcast every week on that. Please check it out. So that's it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Hope you all had a great week. Here's my conversation with Jamie Smith. I think most people probably have seen a Service Master truck. If they haven't, they've probably seen one of your many different brands, whether that's Mary Maid or Terminex, going through their neighborhood, maybe coming to their house. I think you told me you guys put 75,000 trucks in driveways per day, something crazy like that. So you guys are out there getting around a bit. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, if you've if you've heard of the Service Master name at all, it often is through our disaster recovery business. And, I have. And you guys, you guys have helped me through a disaster, by the way. My house flooded, and you guys came and tore out all my all my rugs, and you put these gigantic fans on my house. <laughs> those you guys. Yes, yeah. Well, those are technically called air movers. I air get in movers. trouble if I call them fans. <laughs> but yes, yeah, no. So uh, no, that, that is that is a great business. It's kind of you, you get to be that hero moment. You you meet someone in in a, kind of a dark hour of their life, and, and hopefully make things all better very quickly. We love that business. I think it was a dark um, wet hour you know, for me. Yeah, no, it never happens at a convenient time either. So that's and, it, and it's definitely it, it's a it's a big impact on lives. And so that that's a great part of the business. You kind of mentioned Terminex, uh, Mary Maids. The one you probably don't hear as much about, but um, is is our second largest business unit is American Home Shield. Um, and, and through there, we we actually invented the home warranty category. And so we re- we repair almost everything in the home, whether it be your HVAC, your refrigerator, washer dryer, pool spa, anything that that might break in general. The American Home Shield crew actually leverages a contractor network um, of you know up to fifty six thousand individual technicians uh, across the country to to repair pretty much anything in the home. Um, and, and so you know that it's it's a great business that we. Because of the fact that we have that kind of scale, um, we are in that many homes. We get to see kind of the real challenges and, and experiment fairly quickly in things that um, it, definitely where technology can be applied to that that process and, and the overall process of home services. So we're going to talk about a number of things. Um, one of the things I write and think a lot about is how um, ultimately IoT and smart home technology can be used uh, as a way to deliver interesting services. Um I also think that, uh, and so we're going to get into that certainly, but I also want to ask you very quickly about this idea of uh, your your two businesses, which in, are seemingly in conflict with each other a little bit. You have one, which is a home shield. Uh, hopefully you have warranties on all these different appliances that are sold in the homes you guys protect. But then also you do, you make money when people have disasters. <laughs> so, um, and, and so when I think, of, I've always thought since my, my, my house flooded, if I had had, this was before I had, uh, water sensors, like a smart things, water sensor in my house, I could have probably saved, uh, myself and maybe my insurance company, a lot of money. This is something you guys are obviously looking at. I would think for the, on the home shield side, using sensors, using, uh, again, I guess, uh, preemptive technology to preemptively, uh, prepare for breakdowns, but also on the, on, on disaster recovery side, companies like insurance companies want to prevent those using technology like sensors in a smart home. Absolutely. Yeah, and it is one of those things. I mean, so, you know, we don't ever want you to have to go through the process of a water heater giving out or, you know, that that flood, even even though that is a core part of our business, um, you know, as many of those we can prevent as possible. So Home Shield has um, run some pilots with water sensors. Yep. Um, that was one of our first uh, IoT pilots. I, the, the interesting thing that, I've, that we found with water sensors, unless you've gone through that experience, it's it's very hard to get people to actually care about water sensors as a standalone thing, um, and you know when the, the other challenge a little bit is when when a water heater fails, um, it very often doesn't fail gracefully, and so you really do need like the water turn off and some of that. The yeah. water the water sensors are a great start, um, but you know getting getting consumers to even hook them up to their Wi-Fi, it was as easy as taking a picture, proved to be very difficult in that pilot we ran. Um, but you know, we we see water ha- sensors and that that piece as a great add-on to something you already have. And certainly, if you've been through the traumatic experience uh, like you have of having to be out of your house for a couple of weeks, um, it rises on the priority list very quickly. 
Um, but you know, I, I think in general that the, the, the great thing, and, and especially for the home shield business that we see about smart home and, and IOT in particular is it puts us in a different right. Right now our relationship is very, um, reactive. Yeah. Uh, you only call us after you have a problem right. after the house is already hot. Um, the water heater's broken down. Um, people are very passionate about hot water in their showers. I will tell you that. So those are calls that, that often come in. And so it, it changes the relationship for us if we can get out in front of that and fix the issue before maybe even you knew it was there. Yeah, exactly. Um, sometimes, yeah. And, and so it puts us in that proactive space versus reactive, which really changes our relationship with the customer between times. So when you look at the type of warranties you guys have for American Home Shield. Are those typically built-in home systems, or they range from everything from water heaters uh, to furnaces to small houseware type of appliances? I mean, does it run the gamut? Uh, it's generally the the major systems in the okay. home. So it is the appliances, it's the dishwasher. It's that we don't do like the TV warranties. So built-in built appliances uh, you know. and home systems, which I would imagine would be great to have preemptive and kind of diagnostics to you, so you can call people and say, hey. We think because this this particular uh, water filter is about to break, you might want to consider having your replaced, um, or maybe you can even do like a remote software upgrade. I, I would imagine you guys aren't. You said you're starting to experiment with that. How far along are we, and what needs to happen? Is it a matter of just getting every appliance over the next ten years getting Wi-Fi in it and essentially a smart platform to diagnose this stuff? Um, where are we in this? Yeah, it, it is. A, a big part of it is there are still most of those assets in the home are still dark assets. Yep. They're not lit up. They're they're not on Wi-Fi. Um, and so we can overcome some of that. You know, as you get like the Nest thermostats, they can detect if something's running longer than normal, right? So you don't necessarily have to retrofit your HVAC system um, if you can put something in front of it. We're we're also working, you know, with with companies that are putting sensors in, like your your air return, to see if there's an issue there. So we're we're trying to figure out the right, you know, the right way to get a higher level of adoption. Because if you can only, you know, if it's great that you just bought that Wi-Fi washer and dryer, but if that's really the only thing that yeah. that's a smart appliance in your home, to get someone to go out and register it and care enough about it to do that um, is is a challenge. I think also. You know, some of the stuff, and I, I don't know if you've heard of kind of what Siren is doing with ZipKey and yep. some of those things. I, I think that has the potential to be a game changer because, I, you know, I myself is, as um, excited and an early adopter of the technology, you know, even having bought a Wi-Fi dryer, I didn't go through the process of setting it up for a couple of weeks, right? So the, being able to come home and, and have that immediately on the network, immediately connected, lowering that bar of entry is a big part. But but frankly, just getting to the point where there's enough of an overlap between our customer base and the customer base that has installed assets in the home that are smart and can talk to us, um, it, that's really what the limiter is now. Um, and real quick, for people things, for people who don't know, Serent is uh, a company we've had we've had the CEO on the podcast. They're basically this technology where if you're if it's installed, if you're if an appliance has been integrated with with it, you bring it home. It's basically going to be on the network, and you, the consumer really doesn't have to do a whole lot of anything. Uh, that, Correct. Did, did yeah, I describe so, that right? <laughs> no, it's perfect, and, and, and it also provides, um, you know, an additional layer of security too. Because one one of the things that 
um, you know, we increasingly think about, and especially with some of the botnet attacks, and and uh, you know, I'm a big big fan of uh, some of the the, the cybercrime shows and things like that on TV. The the whole notion of IoT and the connected home and security, Siren helps address that, which is great because we need you know it built in, and that wasn't there always in the early generations, especially if we're going to be in that monitoring mode. Um, we want to make sure that that we're not associated with kind of a security issue in the home. Um, but you know, but there are other simpler things that that we're also excited about. So for Merry Maids, as an example, we keep thousands and thousands of home keys so that the maids can come in and clean while you're not there. Perfect, you know, smart locks are a perfect application for that. Um, perfect application for repairs in the homes if we can give you that one-time key. And so, you know, we, we've um, you know toyed with the notion and looking at running pilots around. Um, you buy X number of cleanings, you get a smart lock. That's part of it. So, so we can do a little bit to drive the adoption, also, frankly. Um, and then, you know, looking at partnering with insurance partners on on the things like water sensors that are hard to get, and and some of the fire and life stuff where you do get a discount for having that. Um, to, to really drive that in the home. I, I think the benefit that we have in all of that that's really hard to build is we do have a nationwide installer network um, of contractors. Um, part of what our challenge is going to do, though, is, is going to have to be to kind of retrofit that, that installer network um, to they're used to installing and yep. working on things that are pretty simple devices, yep. right? So if you look at a dryer, it's it's a fairly simple device. As they're kind of elevating in complexity, um, you know, the skill set required to kind of install and maintain that definitely changes. So that's part of the transformation. You know, this is driving into our business as well. Actually, the idea of subsidizing the SmartWalk is something I've actually never heard of a a third-party service provider like you guys doing. I know that the Airbnbs of the world are looking at that type of thing, but I think it's interesting that you guys are as well. Yeah, we're, and we're looking at that. And I think as adoption increases too, like if Postmates, I know is driving a lot. Of, there are other companies that are that are that are really um, incented to to kind of have higher adoption of smart lock. Um, certainly, plugging into that ecosystem is what's interesting. So part of it will drive. Um, you know, another interesting uh, pilot that we ran in one of our hackathons, which I hope it I hope it sees the light of day here fairly soon, is we we actually did an Amazon Dash button, which was essentially a prepaid Mary Maid's um, gift card. Right, you, you see the house clean, you hit it, it actually texts you to 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 set up an appointment. So I, I think there are some other kind of tangential things that you can do, um, and and part of I think what we're seeing is especially kind of consumers used to the on-demand world. They don't want to go through the old process of scheduling and setting these things up and, and, and you know, heaven forbid, actually talking to somebody on the phone. The expectation has shifted. Um, Google, Google calls it kind of that micro moment. Um, it's, you know, it's really winning the point where someone sees that, that beetle or that rat in their house. They don't want to wade, you know, 19 pages deep on our website to figure out what service they should buy from us. They want the problem fixed now. Um, if the house is dirty, I want to be able to hit a button and do that. So a lot of what we're focusing on is kind of removing friction from all of that. And, you know, we have something called the easies that, we, that we're trying to do. But the, the bottom line goal is making, making it much easier to consume and, and leverage home services through technology. And so in a way, I, I kind of hear, you know, two interesting macro movements in the world of technology coming together. So, I, I mean, I've certainly seen how the sharing economy and kind of, uh, I guess, gig economy has made it easy for me to get access to uh, people with skilled labor, whether, you know, that, you know, using just a, a fiber, fiber type of service or online or using uh, more of like a get, kind of a local service person, also looking more at ha- Amazon services. 
And then you also yep. have this idea of like using technology to connect to them. So um, you're thinking about both of these in the broad sense of and maybe bringing them together to make it easier to access uh, services and making it friction free. This, I love the idea of the Amazon dashboard, by the way, uh, and and just helping people to, to not have to like worry about, OK, do I have to sign like a, a 12 month contract? I just want this problem taken care of. And technology can help you guys get there quicker. It, it can, yeah. I mean, and, and I think the other thing that it, that it helps us do, so, you know, a lot of the marketplaces that you see today, especially around services, are, um, you know, they're, they're a, a little bit more than a matchmaker, but they, but they don't go that whole extra step of kind of curating the entire journey. Yep. Um, and so what, what we believe, it's still, at the end of the day, a person still has to come to your house and do something. And, you know, in the past, the process for doing that hasn't always been great. Are, you know, are they going to show up on time? Are they going to give you a fair estimate, especially, unfortunately, if my wife is home? You know, all, all the things that happen there. Um, and then, you know, is, are they going to stand behind it if something's broken? I think, I think the benefit that we have that is, that's hard to get from a marketplace is we, we curate that entire journey. Some of that's done with technology. Um, some of it's, you know, there's still a very big analog part of the customer experience as well. Um, so simple things like, did they put on booties before they came into my house? Um, when, when you're looking at kind of a, a gig economy, especially with some of the kind of contingent labor issues and other things that are out there, it's very hard for them to enforce that kind of consistency in the experience. And so for us, you know, we, you know, because of the fact that they're signed up with us as contractors and, and you know, of our agreements, we we can kind of ensure that you get that consistent um, experience and if something goes wrong, you know that you have kind of the power of the big company behind it. We're not, you know, we're not a regional player. And so yeah. that that's where we see kind of, you know, we, we don't, we're not really, it would be very easy for us to kind of look at and trying to open up, you know, some of our networks to be that marketplace immediately. But we want to make sure we have the experience right. And part of that's done with technology. Part of it's just good old fashioned um, managing people, frankly. Maybe it's the lazy way of thinking, right? If I wanted to say, okay, if I look at Service Master, maybe they're an analog to, ADT in the home security space and that they're, they're established, they're older, that, you know, they're kind of the dominant, one of the dominant market share players in a sense, if you go across all your different like verticals, whether that's extermination, disaster recovery and house cleaning. When I look at ADT, they've, they've embraced technology as maybe a way to deal with some of the lighter weight DIY stuff. You guys in a, in a way are, are dealing more with the gig economy type of stuff. You have these kind of free and open marketplaces and you see technology as a way to maybe enrich your services as well as you're trying to reinforce your message of like, hey, we, we stand behind this. We're a company. It sounds like you're, you're embracing technology and also trying to get that message across as you're like a big company. Yeah. And, and you know, but, you know, I, I guess it's, when people are interacting with a platform, they don't necessarily usually care if you're a big company or not. Right, right. They, they, they still do care about that experience. How fast is it? How, so, we, you know, we know that, that the bar every time that, you know, an Uber comes out or, you know, the, the next, you know, Airbnb, whatever, it raises the, the bar for us in terms of what that experience has to feel like. Um, and so, you know, ultimately, that's what we think the common thread is. Um, and, and part of that experience is the fact that, you know, yes, we'll stand behind it. But part of it, the, the core of it has to be how easy that journey is. And because no one, no one wants to be the COO of their own house and have to manage contractors and manage, yeah, like, yeah. all of those things are, you know, take time out of their lives. And so what we're trying to make that easier across and a big part of the way that we're doing that is with technology. And so I think the real competitor is if we kind of really need to get it down to it, it's probably Amazon, right? So you have Amazon. Yep. Um, going into third party or going to home services, they advertise as advertise home, as Amazon Home Services, and they're and they're creating a marketplace. They also, interestingly enough, they're offering Amazon employees 
uh, to come out. And this wasn't necessarily like a service call, uh, like to like clean my house, but they came out and did me, gave me a smart home consultation. Um, yep. I, I wrote about this. They, I think in seven markets, they're having these Amazon employees go and come out, spend 45 minutes in your home and say, Hey, I think you should do this for your smart home. What, what, what are your needs? So I think, I don't know exactly where they're going with that. I think they're trying to get houses to run on Amazon, as I'm calling it. But um, yeah, how do you see Amazon in this space? They're coming at it from a lot of different angles. I have to think that you maybe think they're the biggest kind of competitor long term. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you look, I mean, it's it's the Amazons for sure, and then they're farthest along. Um, Google, in that they own the search experience, is big, and I, you know, I, I I place a big bet on Google Home in terms of its its ability to maybe catch up with Alexa. Although, if you, I think you were at CES as well. I mean, Alexa was everywhere at CES um, from that side. But so, you know, Amazon's an interesting one. Yelp will eventually be one when you think about the fact that we're a national company competing in what are essentially regional businesses. But but Amazon. Um, um, still, when you look at the core of the experience, to me, and, and I've and I've tried it and and um, done a few things, they're still very product first. So even even on so if you buy a, a ceiling fan, have someone come out and hang it. Um, the things that are a little trickier that we that we found are the kind of complex diagnosis things. I don't know exactly what the estimate's going to be until we get out there until we see what we're dealing yeah. with in some cases, um, especially on complex repairs. Um, and so that that's the part that that's that's a little bit of a tougher nut to crack. Um, I like the idea of the smart home um, kind of evaluation and, and assessment. Um, I do think that there's space somewhere in there for kind of the DIY plus as well, right? So meaning I can't, I don't really feel comfortable doing it myself, but I want it, you know, how, how do we do that? Where they're really, they're not kind of the CDO level systems, but they're this, they're more kind of DIY plus somewhere in between there as the next cliff. And, and that's something where, you know, we get very interested in and we, we would love to play in that space. Um, just because of the fact of the familiarity we have with kind of coming in and doing that diagnosis and that consultative part. Does anyone really own oh, yeah, that? No. Does anyone really own that DIY plus? Because that's something I've been talking about for years now, right? So you have the CD level integrators, you have Amazon coming yep. in with their home services, but but there's so many people who might get a Nest thermostat or an Ecobee, they might get their video doorbell, and and e- yeah. as simple as it might be for you and I to install like a video doorbell, you know, there's probably like. I can guarantee you tons of people who don't want to do that. So, but oh, absolutely. Yeah. Or does anyone really owns own that marketplace at this point? No, I mean, so um, Enjoy was kind of going down that route, but they're still product first. I think when you looked at it, um, you know, some of the interesting pieces in the space. Hello Tech is interesting to me from 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 that, and we've had some conversations with them. So I don't know that anybody owns it because there it's a it's a gulf between kind of the CDO level and the DIY plus. If you look at the price tags of those and the complexity. Um, I think the other really interesting thing is kind of the ongoing monitoring and and being able to um, diagnose and fix that stuff without rolling a truck. Um, and so there are some companies that are playing in that space, um, but it's it's all very, very early days. And so that's something kind of as we see the market evolving that's very interesting to us because we're skilled at running a kind of a nationwide network. Um, it puts us in a little different space. We have fantastic um, diagnosis in the call centers and, and have that space. So th- there's a lot of overlap with what we do. Um, it's certainly different enough. Um, you know, and, you know, of course, there are kind of the big players, you know, like the Vivint that have their closed ecosystem a sure. little bit and, and will integrate with things. And that's more of the fully um, curated and connected, kind of where ADT is going as well and some of the others. So there, there's not really um, kind of a category killer in that space that we've seen so far. I agree. And, and not everyone wants to pay, even though Vivint is you know, a pretty good deal 
No one wants to, well, not everyone yeah. wants to pay, you know, 40 $50 a month for like a fully managed system. They just want a few things. And maybe, maybe that's Google or, or Apple coming in with kind of a, a almost like a, uh, a pretty low cost, but there still needs to be that, like that person who does a truck roll. If it's not going to be your brother, you know, to install yep. that product, you guys um, also, talk a little bit about your, uh, you know, some of your forward leaning platforms, you know, you talk a lot of, uh, I've, you know, I've looked at some of the, uh, the, some of the stuff your CEO has been talking about and some of the things you guys have been talking about. And you have this, this platform called SurSmart, which you're calling basically an API first open platform. And you guys are looking at bringing in third parties, local localized service providers to get in on that as well, maybe eventually. So explain what that is and where it's going. Yeah, thanks. So the, the SurSmart platform for us is it's a big transformational um, component internally. And, and we talked a lot about um, how we would apply technology across the customer experience. The SurSmart platform is is how we're doing that now across our own business units. Um, and, and it is API first. It's open, meaning, you know, with an API key and, and, you know, the right level of access, you can actually start to consume components of it. Um, and, and our vision is really to make it um, very, very kind of Amazon marketplace-like, other things where you can choose the pieces that you consume. Um, and so, you know, a great example is we're integrating with an insurance company. We talked a little bit about the overlap with our customer base and, and sensors and things like that, where um, you can you can very easily purchase the product, service the product just through several, you know, RESTful API calls. We view that as, as kind of the, the future. So first and foremost, it's getting all of our own business units to talk to each other that way. So the experience is incredibly consistent and open um, for the things that we do. But we we think the big bet in the future is, being able to open that up and leverage the key parts of that curated journey we talked about for, for companies that aren't under the service master umbrella, but just want to participate in, in the platform. Um, and so it really is taking kind of the, the Airbnb and Uber concept and trying to apply it throughout um, kind of from cradle to grave home services, not just kind of the upfront piece where we get somebody out to the house. So give an example. If I'm like a, a local uh, Seattle based or kind of Northwest based, company that I, I do home services, how would I, what type of company would I be possibly and how would I integrate on, on SurSmart if I wanted to integrate with what you guys are doing? Yeah. So um, a great example is are, are a lot of the contractors that we already have set up on American Home Shield. So because of the fact that they already participate in the Home Shield network, um, and, and we do have a lot of local HVAC you know, appliance repair in Seattle, um, they get the capability for all their customers to do things like on my way notifications, the, the Uber like five star, see where all their techs are. Um, that's just a benefit of them participating in the platform. Um, in the future, we do, you know, we do see, and, and it's, it, you know, opening it up to uh, just anybody basically that can self sign up on a website um, and, you know, get in, we'll, automated background checks, all the things that you need to do to make sure that they're qualified to participate and begin receiving work. So that's kind of a, a you know, a one to two year vision um, for us. But I think some of the immediate benefits are really, um, especially, you know, the sweet spot for us so far has been kind of the, the from the mom and pops up to somebody who has about 20 technicians. Um, we can really, you know, by them participating in the SurfSmart platform, they can elevate their experience almost immediately because they can't afford some of the big field service systems, other things that are there. And then eventually, you know, being able to all the way go through processing their payments and, and everything through there so that to the customer, it's just a click of a button and they start to kind of get used to all the things that, that, um, that you come to expect, you know, just part of the experience, having it built in. You know, one of the things I always thought is, you know, like for third, third party service providers like yourself, especially big ones, 
with nationwide reach, it would be really helpful uh, as you get a service call to be able to go and, and when you get a service call to know what's in the home, maybe understand what, what devices and appliances are there. Are you What type of work are you doing? How do you see that evolving where companies will be able to, like, say, get a call from a house, know what the profile is, and maybe understand what's in the home? Is, are you guys working with smart home standards bodies to, to kind of work on that type of thing? We are. I mean, I think so. Uh, there's there's a couple of pronged approach to that. So um, it was funny. We had uh, an investor day back in in May of last year, and and one of the analysts came up to me, and it was almost aggressively like, "Why aren't you monetizing your data? You, have, you know, you install more air conditioners than anybody. You install more um, water heaters." And so just understanding you know, the first part of it is leveraging kind of our own internal data that we already have that we've passively collected. Um, cause you know, we don't want the, the first part of the experience when someone signs up with us to have to go around and, you know, climb underneath the, the cupboard and copy down all their serial numbers and things like that. Right. So part of what we're doing is, um, you know, we're looking at things like, um, image recognition, those APIs and some of the AI has gotten very good where, um, in a lot of cases you can snap a picture of an appliance with some of our code. It can compare it to images, know that it's a Bosch dishwasher, right? It may not know the exact model number that provides a big benefit. So we're trying to lower the bar of entry to try to get that initial inventory. Um, but your point around smart home is fantastic. And there are, um, you know, I think, again, another kind of missing sweet spot is that continual monitoring and managing of the network and understanding what devices are on there. Um, and so we're looking at some companies, both that have appliances that they put on the network in the home um, that continually monitor and can troubleshoot it, but also then build that inventory so that I know that you have a nest and it's connected to this and, and all of those things. And so that, that's really an emerging space for us. Um, it's, it's not something you know, we we've tried in the past to have kind of that manual inventory and, and really build it up over time. Um, it's, you know, just the, the level of effort for the consumer, nobody really did it. Um, and so at anything that we can do with technology to a build it passively, um, either through monitoring and smart home or as we install things, um, and, and mine our data or, you know, be kind of lower, lower the bar by using some of the new technologies that are coming out. Um, you know, we're, we're definitely looking to do because, it also helps us fix the thing the first time because we have the right part in the truck, you know, all, all the right, things that right. we know and we can alert you when things come out. So it, it's a huge win for the customer. It's just getting them to that spot where they'll make the effort to do it. That idea of using image recognition is interesting to me. I think like that's one of the early forms of like actually applicable and practical uh, AI that we're seeing. So any other ways in which you're exploring use, use of machine learning, AI technology in the home for your businesses? Yeah, so one of the other, uh, it's, it's interesting. One of the other things we did in, in the last hackathon was we had, uh, we tried to use AI for actual pest, um, identification. So if you've seen Fetch from Microsoft Garage, it's, you can take a picture of your dog. It will, um, tell you within a certain percentage what breed it was. Um, unfortunately, when we were doing it, it was still identifying ants as lobsters, uh, and things. And so, so some of the things were yeah, just a yeah. little early, right? But, but I'll tell you, just that, in the that last could be very, that'd be very troublesome for your, your, uh, extermination business, I would think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We'd send the whole wrong type of person out there for that. So, um, but no, I mean, some, some of the AI that we're trying to do is, it, yeah, of course, we're trying to look at chat bots and things like that. Um, the other, the other very interesting and some of the startups down at, in Eureka Park and CES were looking at that as well. Is 
leveraging machine learning as we start to monitor your devices to know which alerts you should pay attention to and which ones you can ignore, right? So, you know, what, 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 my, my, you know, the more and more we get connected, the more alerts you're going to get that something might be wrong. Um, but really being able to differentiate from that background noise to say, oh, this, this is really critical. I better roll a truck or I better place a phone call. Um, this is serious. And so AI in that space and, and machine learning specifically is there. Um, the other one that we've been doing for years, frankly, um, we, we've had telematics on our fleet. So we have a fleet of over 9,000 vehicles um, and, and, you know, truly optimizing not only scheduling so we show up on time, um, but driver behavior for safety, fuel economy, a lot of things that you get from that connectedness, as well as if something comes up, being able to know where someone is to immediately direct the closest person to fix the job, right? So. There's a lot of, um, and, and we haven't reached the bottom of kind of what we can do with that. Not necessarily smart home, um, but definitely Internet of Things related because we're getting more and more data from sensors and devices now um, that's exceeding what we're getting from people um, starting to come into the platform. Hey, well, Jamie, thank you so much for spending time with me today. And uh, this has been great. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I want to thank Jamie for coming on the podcast today. I enjoyed the conversation. Hope you did as well. If any of you are planning to come to the Smart Kitchen Summit in Seattle, Remember, early bird tickets are available now. You can use the discount code newsletter at smartkitchensummit.com to get 15% off tickets. So do it. I'd appreciate it. All right, folks, we'll talk to you next week. And this time, I really mean it. Have a great weekend. <laughs>